The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 39 The Stars That Cross, Part 3 Agamemnon was getting impatient, and as the months passed, he decided to send his emissary back to check on the queen, the same man who had gone to Ilium. He first checked to see if the boat was still in the harbor, and that the sailor he had left to guard it was still waiting for Alexander to return. He was. The prince had not yet used the escape route left for him. He went up to the palace and once inside addressed King Menelaus. O great king, I have come from Mycenae. I have a gift from your brother. It is a likeness of Venus, sculpted from the artist's vision and memory of your queen. Your brother would like me to judge whether or not the artist's vision was true, or if he should be put to the sword for his lies. Will the queen be joining us today? The queen is ill and has retreated to her chambers for the day. Of course, your majesty. I also have personally brought a gift for the prince of Ilium. It's a carving of a wooden horse. Is he still in the palace? No, we haven't seen him in some time. He left the same time you did. We thought he had gone with you. The king looked puzzled. Well, you know foreign princes, never satisfied to stay in one place too long, always have to go see the world before it's too late and they cannot leave their kingdom. I'm sure wherever he is, he's fine. We shall hope. Now come in. You are welcome. Thank you, my king. The man was worried. He sought out the guard that had been Alexander's. He found a place in the palace where they could be alone. Where is Alexander? The man asked, panicked. Calm down. He's where we left him. And where is that? With the queen, just like you wanted. Still? Yes. We snuck him into the queen's chamber, and that's where he's been. It's been months. He hasn't tried to take her. Have you offered to sneak him out of the palace? They never leave her chambers. I think he's happy to live there with her. I don't think he wants to return to Ilium. Damn it. What about the other girls? Do they know? Of course they know. They're helping to hide him. I see. Don't worry. All is not lost. I have a new plan. I will need your help, the man said, but the guard did not respond. He just looked left and right. Here, you greedy bastard. The man took a small pouch of gems and gave it to the guard. How can I help you? The guard finally said. What I need you to do is save the queen. Thalia was nervous as she entered the throne room. The queen had been sent for, but, like always, she refused and sent Thalia to apologize for her absence. But when she entered the throne room, she saw there were no petitioners, no men of the court, very few guards, and somehow the mood was quiet and serious. The king sat on his throne, the man from Mycenae standing at his side. Thalia bowed deeply and waited for the king to speak. Thalia? I think I have seen more of you than I have of my wife in this last year. Maybe I should have married you instead. 
you're far more attentive. Tell me, where's the queen? Oh, the queen regrets that she cannot answer your call, but she is indisposed. Thalia, in her deep bow, could only see the ground, but she could hear the shuffling of the feet as she lifted her head and saw the guards that surrounded her. Her heart began to beat faster. Tell me, Thalia, where is Alexander? The guards grabbed her. She struggled for a moment, but she was caught. My lord, I don't know, Thalia insisted, but it was too late. They saw the fear in her, and it was clear that her words were a lie. It is treason to lie to your king, so I will forget that you said that. One more time, where is Alexander? My king, it is not my fault. It was that man. He bribed me. He forced me. My brother's emissary has already told us of your treachery and your plan to try to pin it on him. Has Alexander been living with the queen? Answer me now. The king demanded, face red, voice strained in anger. Thalia collected herself. She shifted a little to stand, but she would not bend any longer. She would not cry. My lord, there is nobody by that name in the queen's chamber, and there never has been. The truth of what she said was clear in her voice. For a moment, the king doubted the man from Mycena. But only a moment. And then, like a tidal wave, the rage returned. He lifted his hand to his neck. Moving from left to right, he gestured with his thumb out. To the guards, the gesture was clear. The message did not need to be spoken. Kill her. When it was done, the king spoke again. Bring me the queen. Bring her in chains if you need to. And bring me her companions, her servants, her guards. If she has a cat, I want it in here now. Bring them all. At the same time, in the queen's chamber, Alexander's guard opened the door and entered without permission. He looked left and right at the girls, trying to find the one that was Alexander, but he could not tell. Get out! You have no permission to be here! Helen ordered him. My queen, you have been betrayed. The king knows of the prince's presence. It's only a matter of time until he sends men to come and have him killed. Anna was all Helen could say as she looked in panic at the girl she loved. She turned back to the guard. Who? Why? I'm sorry, my queen. It was Thalia. The guard lied. She's with the king now. My queen, you must run, both of you. The king is enraged. If you stay, he will kill you both. No. I'm sorry, Helen. I love you, but I cannot destroy your life. I will go to the king and explain that no one but me had anything to do with this, and that you never knew of my treachery. You have given me a life I never expected to live. Let me return it now. I'm ready. Let's go. Anna, you are not dismissed. You swore to stay with me until I give you permission to leave. Helen grabbed her by the arm and pulled her in. You're mine. Mine alone. I will not let you go. We will run as the guard said. You left your palace for me. It's time for me to leave my palace for you. We will make a palace of our own. Guard, lead us out. The queen commanded, and she wiped the tears from Anna's eyes and then her own. The other girls gave them a quick hug goodbye, and then they were gone, as they walked down the halls of the palace. They kept to the darker corridors, to the more secret passages. Thalia would never have betrayed us. I can't believe it's true, Anna whispered. 
I'm sorry, it's true. She has designs on making herself queen. She is with him now, in his bed. The guard lied. But he didn't know. He didn't know that like Helen and Anna, Thalia didn't like men, and certainly didn't like the king. Saying nothing as they hurried down the corridor, Anna took her chance, and as they were alone in the unused part of the palace, she tripped the guard and he fell hard. For a moment he couldn't breathe and Anna jumped on his back. She took the silk belt from her robe and slipped it around his neck and twisted it into a knot. You betrayed us. You were the only one outside the queen's ladies who knew where I was. Anna said as she pulled back on the silk. The guard's hand reached for his sword, but Anna got there first, taking it from him. She released the belt, and he began to breathe again. But as he struggled to get up, she put the sword to his back and pressed down with all her strength and weight. It broke through and slid into his heart. Anna sat down next to the guard. She could not seem to catch her breath. She could not think or find a way back to her feet. Anna, we still have to go. Whether it was him or Thalia, I fear he's right. The king has been growing tired of me, and if he has this excuse, he will use it to get a queen more to his liking. Come on, we have to go. She said softly as she lifted Anna from the floor. Anna stood, sword in her hand. She held it before her as she began to walk down the empty corridor. Helen stopped her. Give me this. She took the sword and dropped it on the floor. I am still queen, and this is not how a queen walks. We do not need a sword. Just stay behind me, keep your head up. Don't talk to anyone. You're above them. They have no right to stop you. They have no right to speak to you. You are their goddess, do you understand? Helen asked. Anna nodded, her head yes. But her hands were shaking, and Helen held them for a moment until they stopped. Don't worry. Just follow me. Let's go. At the same time, the guards entered the queen's chamber and collected what remained of her companions. The queen walked out of the palace. No one dared stop her. They had not heard of what had happened inside, and though they very rarely saw the queen, they did know who she was. She walked through the courtyard and the garden. She came to the wide and open main gate. She walked through it, into the market, and through the market down to the docks. Anna pointed out where her boat was. The sailor that was guarding it was happy to see them. He stayed behind, and Anna piloted the ship out into the bay. Hundreds of guards in the palace, and hundreds of guards at the wall, but they were all looking the other way. They were there to keep people out. They were not prepared to keep someone in. Will you show me Ilium? Helen asked. We can't go to Ilium. It would only be a matter of time before they came there for you. We would put everyone at risk. Also... Anna stopped. She couldn't say it. She wanted to explain, but the concept of it hurt her. They would expect you to be Alexander, said Helen quietly. Anna nodded yes, but still couldn't say it. Then let's go somewhere different. I've heard that in Egypt there are these enormous triangles. Will you take me to see them? I heard there was a garden in Babylon that hangs. Would you like to see that, too? That sounds lovely. Take me anywhere. Anywhere but Greece, Helen said. 
She felt the wind against her hair. She smiled. She was happy. She would never again be called the most beautiful woman in the world. No one would ever again treat her as a queen. No one except for Anna. From there, they did exactly as they planned. They traveled the world. They never returned to Greece. And, as Cassandra had predicted, they never set foot in Ilium. They lived out their lives together, a life most people wouldn't live, loving each other in a way most people would never love. But for them, it was perfect. Luke, Luke, are you awake? Penelope asked, whispering in case he had fallen asleep. Yeah, I'm awake. What did you think? She was like me. She was more like the opposite of you. Do you think she's out there? Like your Ulysses. Do you think that someday I may meet her? It's always possible. Are you looking to replace me already? No, it's just that I've never met anyone like me before. Or at least, I don't think I have. Very few people know my secrets, so if I keep it secret, then maybe others do too. Maybe there's lots of us. That could be. It would be hard to tell. I want to meet your Anna. Eurysity yawned. I think we would get along. Well, if I ever find her, I will introduce her to you, Penelope promised. But you are not allowed to love her more than you love me. I don't know. That's hard to determine. How much am I allowed to love you? Eurysity asked. You may love me as much as I love you, Penelope explained. And... How much do you love me? I love you enough to give up on my dream. I love you enough to just stay with you and protect you. Luke, if the guards were at my gate, if the only chance we had was to run away together and forget that the West ever existed, would you come with me? Lucy. Eurysity shifted a little so that he could see her face. Will you marry me? Yes, I will. She kissed him, and they fell again into each other. Penelope allowed herself to be lost in this dream. She let go of her fears and she gave herself completely over, until there was no energy left in him. Eurysity fell asleep as Penelope watched. She got up from his bed. She dressed carefully not to wake him. She took her carpet bag and very slowly, quietly unlocked his door, shut it, and walked from the cabin into the small garden she had been cultivating for the last week or so. She opened her bag and took from it a small package of seeds. Using her fingers, she pressed into the dirt, making small holes. She dropped a couple of seeds in each hole and then covered them up. Kneeling before them, sitting on her ankles, she whispered, Goddess, if you could hear me, I need you. Penelope had her eyes closed. What do you need me for? Persephone answered. Penelope opened her eyes to see her goddess sitting next to her. She turned and hugged Persephone as she began to cry. Goddess, who is he? And why is he going to die? Why can't I find any way around this? Quiet, quiet. It's okay. It's really okay. I don't know what to do. I love him. You told me he wasn't Ulysses. Then who is he? Where does he fit in all this? He doesn't fit into it. 
Priestess, calm yourself. I'm here. I will help you. I don't want him to die. You are my last priestess. Not that I ever had that many. Do you know how many lives you have lived? No, I have no idea. 36. You have been born, grown, and lived your life 36 times. And you have died 35 times. Do you know how many of those lives you lived as my priestess? Penelope shook her head no. All of them, explained Persephone. Not because in each life you find me. It's not a coincidence or fate. It's because in each life I find you. Would you like to guess how many lives I have lived, knowing you? Thirty-six? No, just the one. I have only known you the one time, from your first breath to this very moment. I knew every life. I saw you grow, I saw you age, and when it was time, I brought you home. But you are so restless, and nothing of the beauty of my home ever tempts you to stay. You want to play again. You want to live a life that challenges you, and so we craft a new one for you. Together, 35 times, we have set them up like games, and then I let you play again and again. But for me, it's all the same life. I still know you, like I know myself, as one continuous life. For me, no one ever dies. But what about Luke? Luke is the same. He's looking for someone, and when he finds them, the life he lives now is fated to end. I will take him home. He is like you. He is old. I have known him again and again, and in every life he dies, either just before or just after the day he is married. On his wedding day? Wait, that would mean he's... Euricity. Persephone answered her. But Euricity is... A woman? <laughs> no, he never really was. He has lived many lives, and in some, he is like this. And in some... He is born a man, and it is Orpheus who is born a woman. Sometimes they are both men. Sometimes they are both women. But he is always like this. He is always a man. He never lives to be much older than he is now. He never has children of his own. If he dies, what will happen to Edgar? Edgar will once again be left behind. What about Orpheus? Wouldn't Orpheus take him? You know what happens to Orpheus. Orpheus always follows. We gave Orpheus a chance once. Only once. Since then, he has never wanted it. He has never attempted to take that chance again. When Euricity dies, Orpheus always finds us. And then he stays. He never returns to live any more of that life without Euricity. What am I to do? How can I save him? I know it doesn't matter in the grander scheme of things. I know to you death is meaningless, but to us it's pain. Help me save him. I do love you, Priestess. I think what I love most about you is that you always try to break the game. Your fate cannot be denied. No one's can. It was your first lesson, and somehow I feel one you will never grasp. You are always trying to defy fate. 
It fuels my love for you. You are still trying to stop the war, and now you're trying to marry Eurysne and save his life? You can't do both. I will help you accomplish one of these things. But they are mutually exclusive. You can stop the war and marry Eurysne, but the day you do, he will die. Or you can play the game. Accept your fate, find Ulysses, and remove him from the board. That is who you are, Penelope. And someday you will know it was the right path. Both you and him will find happiness. You chose these lives for a reason. Both of you have. Persephone explained. I can't betray him. Penelope began to cry. I know it hurts. I love you, and I don't mean to cause you pain. Someday he will forgive you, and I promise I will do what I can for him. Stay strong, my love, favorite among my children. Look, your flowers have bloomed, Persephone said. Penelope looked at the seeds she had just planted. They'd already grown, sprouted, and flowered. They were beautiful spring flowers in the cold, late October morning. She looked to her side. Persephone was gone. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. Thank you.